0: Good, thanks, uh, thanks Neville. Yeah, I'll just add my encouragement to be part of that uh, that coffee night or the <coughs> music night in the Tin House. We've uh, only heard Robert once, but incredible, incredible man, incredibly talented musician, and uh, it'd be great for us to be uh, encourage the the guys on that Friday night. Um, as well as that, Neville. Uh. You can't just, every time you put somebody in a spot like that, you can't just use we're family as a get out. You can't be doing that. That's not what we're going to do. It's not a license. It's not a license to be able to just to call people out in the spot whenever you want. Um, and, and then really, just while we we're worshipping and as Neville uh, was sharing the announcements, I, I just want to say this as well. I, uh, I know maybe for, in terms of after Christmas and Whenever it comes to things around f- financial struggles or financial chains, maybe there's a certain. Uh, for some of us, we all feel a, a wee bit of the pressure of that at this time of the year. Um, but, but just my sense while we were worshiping was that, that, that that's a real chain for somebody. It's a real noose around around somebody in this season, and so it's not just a, it's not just a case of. Not a big pile of money about. It's a case of I've been trying to get out of this spiral of financial difficulty and debt for so long, and there just seems no end to it. And um, and so I'm not, I'm not going we're we're to absolutely not going to call you out or ask you to stand or anything like that. But actually, to to say as family, please don't, please don't carry those things in your own. Please don't feel that you have to carry. There's people in this place that uh, will, can really help you, can really help you lead, lead you out. Uh, of that, of that spiral, of that ongoing spiral. I think, R- really wanted to to say that this morning. Uh, let me read a few verses. As I've already said this morning, as I started um, reading again in Genesis and Matthew, and you get to that sermon on the mount. Jesus, what an incredible, incredible words. What an incredible sermon. What, what a challenge is. Words are and continue to be, and so at the end of chapter five, sort of halfway through this incredible sermon, Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter five, verse forty-three to forty-eight. Jesus is, Jesus actually comes and flips everything on its head, doesn't he? He uh, he changes er, the way that people have been thinking, the, all the expectations that they were that they had. Jesus comes and turns it all on its head, and that's what he's doing in this in this sermon. He's been doing it from the minute that he, that he sat down and began to teach. And we get to these verses. We get this part in verse 43. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Love them. Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise in the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who only love you, what reward will you get? Should the tax, even the tax collector, co- collectors, are doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than any other? Do not even pagans do that? So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it feels like Jesus is saying You're we want you. His goal is that we would look just like him. We would be He has come that we would be uh, we would be f- reformed into that image that he always longed us to look like. And he's saying, that that's going to look. how that's going to look is not in loving your enemy and hating, loving your neighbor and hating your enemy, but it's going to be in loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. And so right at the start, a few weeks ago, whenever we, we uh, sort of launched that this is where we were going in the new year. I think I introduced it by saying that uh, that there's no one that Jesus leaves out. Call to love one another. Call to submit ourselves to one another. Call to, to carry one another's burdens and all of that. To love each other really well within family, within, within the body of Christ. And, and then Jesus takes it even further than that. And he tells us to love your enemy. Those that are persecuting you, keep on praying for them. Those that are making life really difficult for you, bless them. Those that are a real scourge to your faith in society, do your best to bless them and love them really well. There seems to be no one that Jesus leaves out in his call to love radically. In his call to love radically and to serve radically. And uh, and just to be radical, there's no one Jesus seems to leave out. But that's not the that's not our that's not the place that we want to sort of hang everything on in this series we want to hang out on the the story that jesus told in luke chapter 10 and so in luke chapter 10 uh verses 25 to 37 let me read these verses this is the story that that is the inspiration for uh the next number of sundays that that will be together on these these sunday mornings as we are asking this question, who is my neighbor? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? I don't know if you notice, Jesus does that all the time. And sometimes, it, Sometimes I think whenever it's personal, whenever you're wrestling with some stuff personally, that can be really frustrating when you ask a question and Jesus responds with, a, with another question. And that's what he seems to have made a, a pattern of doing throughout the Gospels. But anyway, he, he answered, the, the expert in the law answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Sort of feels like this, the story could end there, but the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself. Verse 29. He wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus the question that we are going to keep on asking, who is my neighbor? And this is what Jesus said. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And again, Jesus asks a question: Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, "The one who had mercy on him." So Jesus told him, "Go and do likewise." When it comes to when it comes to social media, one of the places that I am mo- most frequent on is Twitter. And over the last number of weeks, not that it. It it can be it can be a toxic place at the best of times, Twitter and social media in general. And I'm not saying social media or Twitter not that it, it has the final say on all matters pertaining to life. However, over the last number of weeks, with some of the stuff that has been said by the president, some of the stuff that has happened even within our own local political situation, some of the things that that then how that is then escalated in social media on, on Twitter, in my experience, is, is vile, it's horrendous, it's, it's grieving, it is painful to read. And so I find it especially painful to read whenever it's people whose who's main allegiance is to Jesus Christ. I find that really hard. But the problem with the likes of Twitter, and it's not just in Twitter, it's in life in general, but the problem in things, things happen or there's, there's an event that takes place or there's something that is said everybody wants to throw in their two cents worth but what happens and what what you see happening what I've seen happening over the last number of weeks is what is that people become entrenched deeper in their own in their own positions in their own preferences and in their own prejudices rather than dialogue, rather than how do we show mercy here rather than how do, we, how do we engage that this is not something that we keep on rehashing over and over again. But what's, what happens too often is that we become entrenched in our own positions, preferences and prejudices. And what happens is that our, our natural deten- tendency is then to stay in our own groups, to stay in our own little bands where, we're, where we are with people that we are familiar with and that we are comfortable with. That's happens guilty of that as anybody else. But it seems to be our default when something happens we we entrench ourselves deeper in our own position and we end up just being with those that are hold to that position. We remain with those that we are familiar with and that actually we are that we are comfortable with that won't challenge those those ideas and those thoughts that we that we have. And so, I want to introduce this series by saying that it would be really helpful as we engage with this right at the beginning. That we get away from this language of us and them. I find it—I re- find it really hard that we live in a society that is that is increasingly comfortable with using that type of language. Them, they look at what what they are doing, look at how they are living, and are we? We cast judgment and we, and we do all of this stuff and our language is so unhelpful. And so at the very start of this, I just, I just want us to be aware of that. I just want to say, let, let's, let us be so careful as we begin to ask this question with integrity and with as much Christ-likeness as possible that we begin to move away from that language of us and them. I think that will be really helpful to us as we, as we engage in this effectively over the next number of Sundays, and in this story, as throughout, as throughout so much of the Bible, the, the the theme of hospitality threads itself through the story. I think, and as I've said before, as we come as we approach, we we'll, many times over this series we'll look we'll be looking into the Book of Luke, because here in the Book of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is as we've said, Jesus seems to be either going to a meal, coming from a meal, or he's at a meal. Jesus just seemed to understand this very notion of, of hospitality. It's, 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 a, it's the thread that runs through this story, and it's a thread that runs through the whole of our Bibles. And I just want to say really quickly that hospitality, it's a, I love it. It's a fascinating word that I've come to really appreciate because it's so much more than we think that it means. Hospitality, the word for hospitality is uh, phileozenia. Two, word, two Greek words, phileosinia, love for the stranger. Love for the stranger. That's what hospitality is. That's the thread that comes through the story, and it's the thread that Jesus uh, brings throughout, this Holy, the thread the Holy Spirit brings throughout so much of the Bible. And so in this story and in the Bible, there is this call for us to intentionally include, the intentional inclusion of the stranger and the other the intentional inclusion of the stranger and the other in our churches and in our neighborhoods and in our towns and in our cities and to the ends of the earth. And as Jesus' ministry comes to a close at the end of Matthew, Jesus actually, talk about turning things on its head, Jesus personally identifies with the stranger in need. He personally identifies with the stranger in need. And so he says, whatever you have done to the least of these, did it to me. He so personally identifies himself with the naked, with the hungry, with those in prison, that he says that whatever you do unto them, you've done it unto me. He so personally identifies himself with the stranger, with the other. And so here in Luke chapter 10, in this parable that Jesus tells of the good Samaritan, the lesson that Jesus is teaching, he is, he, is, he is calling people to a whole new radical way of love. And I think it's important for us as we introduce this. We're just introducing this this morning. And to introduce this, I think it will be helpful for us to get away from the language of us and them. I think as we introduce this, we are saying right from the beginning that Jesus, the teaching of Jesus here. I think more than we realize, what, that the story that Jesus tells here is so shocking to the first century ears that, we, that you wouldn't believe. And so we need to know as we start this, start this series that Jesus is calling us, he's calling his people to a whole new radical way of love and a whole new radical way of serving. As we start this series, Jesus is calling us to a whole new radical way of looking at people. He's calling us to a whole new radical way of how we see people. That's what he's doing. That's what we're, that's what we're inviting you into in this series. This could be really important for us this could be really significant for some of us because this is a whole new radical way of love a whole new radical way that Jesus is calling us to live and to love and to serve and i think i think it's worth just identifying a couple of the challenges that uh, that we will that we will face i think in west as western christians because the increasing temptation for us is to talk the right talk and to believe in the right things and to think that we can get away with that. I don't want to be too harsh. I really don't want to be. And if I do, if you sense that it's, I, there's, a, there's a tone that is harsh, it is because I am so wrestling with this. Because I, f- I, know, what it's, I know what it's like to be like this this, this expert in the law the expert in the law he was the one that knew everything anything that anybody wanted to know about the torah anything that anybody wanted to know about about the word of god that came to this lawyer to this expert in the law and he would have all the answers and so he he, he gets up and he and he gives all the right answers and we and, and so often in 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 our conferences in our western culture cultural Christianity, we want as long as we say the right things, as long as we believe in the exact right doctrine, as long as we believe the right things, we, we almost think that we can get away with that. And so Jesus is a doer. Jesus is just, just what you've said. Love the Lord your God where Dad led us last week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. He says it in Matthew somewhere that all, the whole law is summed up in that. You want to understand how to live well, it's all summed up in that. And Jesus says, you've got it. What are you, what are you asking any more questions for? You don't need to, we don't need to talk anymore. We don't need any more conferences around this. We don't need any more long, drawn-out theological conversations. You've got it. Now go and do this, and you will live. But the man, and I found I myself so grieved whenever I was identifying so easily with this expert in the law but wanting to justify himself and when it comes to this question and when it comes to us being really with real integrity asking this question you'll find yourself if you're anything like me you'll find yourself wanting to talk some more you'll find yourself wanting to justify yourself a wee bit more with all sorts of reasons for why you're not doing for why you're not yet responding, for why you're not yet obeying. That's what this guy was trying to find. He was trying to find a way, how do to, I how to work around this that I can, I can stall obedience? I can stall this call to love my neighbor. That's so why I want to say that we, we wrestle with that. I want to I encourage you as we introduce this that you wrestle with this, The temptation that you will find to justify yourself, Jesus just do this and you will live. He tells the story, asks the question, and saying, "Yes, now go and do it. Go and do, likewise." Is what Jesus says. A couple of things that we that uh, by way of introduction that I want to say around the priest and the Levite. Again, things that we need to be cautious of, things that we need to be aware of, I think, as we start to ask some questions around who is my neighbor. because I think for the priest and the Levite, of all the things that we could say about them, I think there's one train of thought. There's a couple of of things that I think was maybe going through the minds of the priest and the Levite because it goes through mine. As long as I'm not the one who did it, It's not really anything to do with me. There's been some stuff said in the media, in our news. You'll have picked it up. We distance ourselves from it because we're not the ones that said it. And so all of those people in Haiti and in African countries today that are really, really hurting, really grieving because of the things that have been said about their country and their region, the temptation is that we say, well, I didn't say it. I'm not the one who said it. I don't agree with it. So it's it's not really anything to do with me. Jesus, in this story, I think, is not giving us that excuse. Because the temptation is to say, I didn't say it. I'm not the one that caused it. So it's not really anything to do with me. And I think in this story, Jesus is saying, no, you're not going to get away with that. And so even if there's, there's... issues around particular people groups in our community, particular neighbors, that you have not been the one to cause people to feel isolated. You are not the one that has caused people to feel broken and rejected. The call of Jesus is still unrelenting. The call of Jesus is that it is to do with you. You have a response to make. You have something that is required of you. And so in all of the things that we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks, I'd love it that you would avoid the fear of being inconvenienced. Because I think that's what's going on with the priest and Levite. If they were to draw near, the reality is that they're going to be inconvenienced. They're going to be late for their prayer time. are going to be late for the meeting. They're going to be late for whatever it is that they have to do. Jesus, as he tells this story, is, is trying to say, avoid the fear. Avoid the fear that if you stop, you'll be inconvenienced. The truth is, if you begin to ask this question, if you begin to engage with this, as we will over the next number of Sundays, the truth is, we, we have to be honest, if you are one that will move to the other side, if you are one that will draw near to the broken and the hurting, you will be inconvenienced. And that's the radical way of life. That's the radical way of serving that Jesus is calling us to. I think it's worth pointing out that we don't want to put rules before relationship. Because I think in the mind of the priest and the Levite, they are, wherever it is that they're going, I don't know where they're going or where they're coming from. But the truth is that there is laws. There's laws in place that they have adhered to that will not allow them to touch any blood, not allow them to come near any blood, and because then they will become ritually unclean. And so when you're heading and justify, well, that's, that would that would go against the law. This this man-made law that I've lived by, this tradition that I've held held so fast to. And I think Jesus is saying, don't give in to the temptation to put rules before relationship. And so as we look at this, this as this, this at the Samaritan. The Samaritan is one who got his skin in the game. He personally invested as he pursued this goal of seeing this beaten, uh, this beaten man come back, being restored, being dignified, being brought back to recovering uh, of his health, recovering of his respect, of his dignity, of all of that. Social media is also a wonderful place. I read this tweet this week. Loving Jesus without loving your neighbor is not really loving Jesus. And we read that throughout First John. If we were to go to First John, we would see that over and over again. That it really is true. That loving Jesus, claiming to love Jesus without loving your neighbor is not really loving Jesus. And finally, the, the Samaritan came to the innkeeper left a great inconvenience a great cost to himself left the man time to recover and said to the innkeeper any other expense that, there that occurs I will reimburse you and so all of that to say that the Samaritan he was committed to the long haul what he was saying to this what he was saying to this Samaritan as he dropped him off was, "I, I'm, I, need to leave. There's some other things that I'm going to do. There's some other things that I need to do, and I'm going to go about my business. But don't worry, I'm in this for the long haul." And he makes a point of this conversation, this dialogue with the innkeeper, tells us, and the Samaritan would have heard, "This guy's not leaving me. This is not just a one-off humanitarian project to tick the box. This is a, this is a commitment to being with him." For the long haul, and all of these things is what Jesus is telling us and encouraging us and challenging us with what it means and what it looks like to be, to be, uh, to be a neighbor, to be a good neighbor. So you stand, you'll stand. Let me pray for us, and then we'll finish off with a couple of songs and.